Yeah. Probably a little risky. <laughs> <laughs> this whole episode sounds risky. This will be great. This is Beers with Hallows. Threats, Beers, and Mouse of Boys. Welcome or welcome back to Beers with Talos. This is episode 91. Today is August 14th, 2020. I am joined as normally I am by Matthew Olney, Craig Williams, Nigel Houghton, maybe Joel Essler at some point. But today we also have a very special guest. We're going to be joined by Meredith Corley, our communications maven extraordinaire, and we'll meet her in just a minute. We're going to start today off the same way we start off every episode, go around the table, see what's on everybody's mind, only... Yeah, what's up? You're in the starting position today. That's weird. Why is that a thing? Um, so yeah, uh, I have kind of fallen into my my uh, my current iteration of, of COVID-19 daily thing is now... Uh, trying to really nail down some piano pieces um, on some music that I like. And I had, um, it's the first time that I, as an adult, I've really done this. Like, you know, when I was, uh, uh, you know, doing most of the music that I was doing on piano, at least, uh, was when I was a teenager and in high school. And so I'm, I'm approaching it differently than I did uh, as a, as a kid, that more structured, but I'm also really appreciating because I get to pick which pieces I want to do. I'm picking music that I, I really, really like, um, how much, and Nigel will know this, how much you learn about the music that you like by playing the music that you like, uh, like the, the key changes and the syncopation and the off beats and the underlying beat and and all you know the the chord progressions and the 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 repetitive points and the points that don't repeat and then it's just music that I thought I knew that is popular and kind of well known. Um, I really kind of like had some eye opening kind of moments and I would imagine it's sort of like when if you're like in art school, they're like go to the museum and draw what you see. Right. And you're doing that same kind of process. And it's just it is the first time as an adult I've really gotten into analyzing music and just because I'm trying to, to really nail it down. And it's it is incredibly enjoyable as a as a pastime. So that's what I've been doing. That's interesting. You know, you're, you're I've you've talked a few times about like being into music theory and I, I'm coming to the conclusion that that music theory is just engineering for music. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it is literally the structure behind it. I, that's where you find so much joy in that is just looking at the differences that lay underneath. Well, and the weird point, the part is that that um, uh, like you can sit and play like Ode to Joy on all white keys um, in G and then you can play Ode to Joy in all white keys in A minor and have and have just moved over like one set of keys and have a completely different listening experience. Like, like, it's just, it is, it is, it is, the weird thing is that with engineering, you kind of go through the, the process and you end up with a thing that you can kind of look at and turn and prepare or interact with. The thing about music is you go through that engineering process and you feel stuff. And that's kind of the, yeah. the, the thing that's different between, between music and, and other engineering pursuits. And that's that, that it's magical, uh, to me, how, how you can say, if you do these concrete things, you will experience this emotion 
but not really understand that connection point between the things you did and the emotion. Yeah. Where, where does that happen? Like, yeah. where, where does that translate? <laughs> I don't get and it. And how do we all have that same experience? How do we all, how do we know that if I do that, everyone will experience that same, that same kind of elation or fall or, you know, whatever it's, 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 it's neat. I love it. Yeah. That's really cool. Craig, you are next up on the list today. What is on your mind this week, my man? I am ready for a nice long weekend. Um, Word. You know, I, I've got my nice carbonated water here, and I'm just counting down the hours, man. Uh, my kids are out at my parents' right now, so I'm going to have like a couple kid-free hours maybe to relax. I, you know, I, I think it's one of those things with COVID and everyone going back to work and stress about the kids going to school that I'm sure lots of people are experiencing. Just good to take a time to take a little five, ten-minute break <laughs> yeah. in between onslaughts of things that need attention. Nigel, what is on your mind today, man? Oh, all kinds of stuff. Um, I got a gig tonight, and that's been on my mind all day. Uh, and then the Mighty Reds, we secured a new left back the other day who's a young Greek fella, so I can't pronounce his name at the moment. But, you know, I don't want to butcher it for him. But, yeah, I've got that one going on, and then... Um, yeah, the other thing, Mitchell, I've been watching this week is um, uh, Blondie Hacks on YouTube. And uh, so if you, I gave you the link, it's in the thing, you can share that out later. But the Blondie Hacks thing, there's there's two things to this, right? So you can go to the website, take a look, and there's all kinds of electronic stuff and, and all the things that you expect from that we talk about if we're talking about hacking things. But the YouTube channel is is like even better because it's about, you know, making stuff like from metal and things and like doing lathe work and, and all of that kind of stuff and making tools and, and um it's excellent. I think everybody should needs to go and bookmark blondiehacks.com and go take a look at the YouTube channel and watch all that stuff. I mean although there is a warning that goes with this though, uh, because she is Canadian. Okay. So, right. Meredith, before we give you a full introduction, is there anything on your mind today, top of mind? I was just going to say that I think if anything's top of mind for me this week, it's that I think I'm, I'm finally really missing human connection. Um, you know, I, I hear you guys talking about the COVID uh, pandemic and everything that's going on there. And we, we ate out at a restaurant, like at a restaurant for the first time. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. I know, since the start of the pandemic. Fancy. Well, we're risk takers, apparently. Um, <laughs> it only took us four months. But um, it just made me realize how much I miss the in-person. And, you know, we had Black Hat and DEF CON last week. And it just doesn't feel like that actually happened. I'm not sitting here nah. with con flu. I don't have <laughs> casino air in my lungs. Like I'm well rested. Um, <laughs> and so it just doesn't really feel real to me. And I actually caught myself saying, I really miss being in Las Vegas this year. And you know, something's wrong. And <sighs> right? that's, I mean, that's how I feel. So I think that's what's top of mind. Yeah. You know what? Is someone who just bought a bunch of discount casino stocks, I think everyone should just consider going to Vegas. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Stonks. <laughs> Meredith, like we mentioned, is our head of uh, security communications, effectively, uh, for Corpcom's PR, all those kind of concerns on the Talos Group. She actually came into Cisco from Duo uh, as part of the Duo acquisition, and we're very, very grateful to have her here with us. 
but even before that, and and we may get to talk about this a little bit later in the podcast, you were actually the director of uh, PR for UBM, which people may know a little bit more commonly as Black Hat. Right. So I wanted to give you a chance to say hi and and welcome you to the podcast. It's a it's a pleasure to have you here. Yeah, today. thanks so much. It's a treat. This is my first BWT. I'm feeling pretty special over here. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. And um, yeah, looking forward to the discussion. Hey, Mitchell. Yeah, what's up, Nigel? Doesn't it make Meredith technically Craig's boss? <laughs> uh, that, is that not right? Well, I mean, like, oh man, Meredith. I'm sorry. I can I can feel the steam coming out of Craig's ears right now. So, <laughs> oh no, this is great. Somebody yeah. else is responsible. <laughs> no, I say in terms of what being responsible for his actions and behavior. Yeah, or... I mean, he is a, he is a he is like the PR wing of Talos. So I have a file of tweets I've been waiting to send. Let me get on this. <laughs> <laughs> Finally time to share my mind. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like I said, I, I can't tell if I should highly regret coming on this podcast or if this is a good thing, but. <laughs> so today we, we want to talk about something uh, and, and really the reason that we, we have Meredith on today. Uh, we want to talk about something that, that comes up often. We all see it and experience it damn near daily. Uh, and we've been talking a lot about, in a larger sense, uh, disinformation lately. And we have a lot of research papers that have come out around that. And we have some, you know, some more coming up. Um, but related to that misinformation or disinformation is something we all see in cybersecurity all the time, and that's FUD, uh, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. We come across this constantly in this space. So I thought maybe we could start the conversation today by kind of disambiguating uh, FUD from disinformation or misinformation and, and what those things mean, because I, I really don't want to get things, you know, screwy and get off the rails and, and confuse folks here. Uh, so actually, Craig or Meredith, uh, whichever one of you wants to take a rip. I mean, you know, I'm happy to jump in here. I think I, well, first of all, gosh, you know, no time like the present, right? 2020 is all about uh, misinformation and disinformation. Um, but the the key differentiator in my mind, and Craig, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts, is really intent. Um, misinformation is something that, uh, gosh, uh, we mishear or uh, misremember things every single day because we're error-prone humans. You know, I read a party invite and, uh, you know, accidentally tell Craig that it's, you know, starts at 8 o'clock clock instead of seven o'clock, right? It wasn't intentional, but he's yeah, going to show up Yeah, we do that late. to Craig all the time with the party. Right. Invites. But on the other <laughs> side of the coin is disinformation, um, which is, you know, where a company or a government or just, you know, someone with malintent is intentionally or deliberately misleading um, with biased information. So, you know, using the party invite example again, I really don't want Craig to come to the party. So I tell him it's at eight because I know it starts at seven and I want him to look bad. Um, that is malintent um, and would fall into the disinformation category at a very basic level. And then, yeah, you nailed it, Mitch. FUD is just a type of disinformation. It's something that us cybersecurity folks are pretty darn well aware of. Um, you know, vendors using fear to market their products and sort of, you know, sort of showing up as the savior in a marketing campaign for something that probably doesn't even really matter in the big scheme of things. Um, so, yeah, so I'll stop there. Craig, I don't know if... Uh, if you dis or agree with that. No, I, I think you said it really well. You know, when I look at it, you know, I, I think they're loosely related, but separate things. Like you pointed out, 
I, I would imagine most people listening to this podcast probably have a background in computer security and are probably very familiar with FUD in terms of computer software or computer security vulnerabilities and people either trying to downplay a vulnerability or try to play up the risks of using certain types of software. For if you're wondering like a specific example, I mean, I, I think everyone's experienced FUD, but just a, you know, it could be an ad that says, you know, there's something lurking in your system right now, or, you know, <laughs> hackers are, are after you, you know, click here to learn how to get away. <laughs> uh, charitably or best case, it's lazy marketing and worst case, it's intentionally deceitful. But you'll see aspects of FUD all over the place, right? Like, I mean, whether it's just a headline that Chinese hackers exploit X or APT does this or this government agency is allowing this or this app is spying on you this way. So FUD and in, in, in headlines, I think, um, is a little bit understandable. They're supposed to be viral. They're supposed to be attention getting, right? But I think it's what happens after that that really matters. Whether you're, you're, you're writing something or putting information out intentionally to scare people or whether you're going to actually offer something uh, on the back side of that, that helps keep them safer, I think is a, is a key differentiator. But we, we see this pervasively throughout the industry. I mean, all of us, anybody in technology, it's not just cybersecurity. I mean, if you want to see a mountain of FUD, go look at the crypto community. <laughs> but we see it all the time. So it exists every place. So obviously it's effective, right? Hey, Joel's with us. So obviously it's effective. But why... Why does it work and why is it effective, I guess, is, is the key question behind that. Uh, Joel, perfect question for you to answer. Nice. <laughs> Let's assume Joel is still getting his mic set up, guys. Come on. Be yeah. Nice. yeah. Well, I mean, I think the, the key thing here to remember, and again, yeah, coming from a PR background, not just for, um, you know, now for Cisco, um, but previously for, you know, security research all over the world. Um, I think it's important for folks to know that when a company or shoot, I mean, yeah, I mean, even a, a researcher, you know, goes out and and makes a FUD campaign, it's it's pretty systematic. And um, I'll preface this by saying this is an example of bad PR, right? Um, there's definitely some bad PR and bad marketing out there, and um, and it's done by by two ways, right? You manipulate the media. Why? Because people love to read about the latest high-profile breach. They like to read about things breaking and, and how someone hacked something really in a crazy way and a stunt hack or what have you. And who reports on that? The media, right? It's like a bad car accident. You can't look away. Um, but then after you manipulate the media, the marketing campaign excuse me, manipulates the buyer. Um, so not only are you saying, oh my gosh, there's this crazy hack and guess what? It could happen to you. But the only way that you can you know, uh, mitigate this type of threat is with this next generation AI, crypto, blockchain, blinky box. Uh, click here to buy now. And um, if, you, if you look back at any sort of, of FUD campaign, it really does follow that systematic route, you know, media buyer, media buyer. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think the people that spread the FUD, um, I think the people that have, uh, or I should say, that have the most influence to spread the FUD are those with large followings um, on whether it be social media or community forums or the like. Um, my experience, and I'm curious if you guys agree, I think it typically stem, stems from, in the cybersecurity community, from the vendor side more so than like an independent researcher, although an independent researcher does do a lot of stunt hackings to get clicks. Um, but their, their intention is different, I think. It's more for 
you know, individual fame versus uh, swaying the industry a particular way. So I don't know what you all think about that. When I was looking through uh, materials to to kind of research this topic a little bit for the show, one of the earliest examples of FUD that I found that was poignant and lines up perfectly with what you just said, Meredith, was the uh, early feud between Edison and Tesla. Does anybody familiar with the ACDC <laughs> current debate? Like that Are was you going to talk about killing elephants. Yeah, I was going to say that's yes. not good well, enough. I don't, I don't God. like that. Yeah, yeah. Why do you have so, to bring that up? So Edison, of it's course, too backed soon? DC. Yeah, too soon. Matt. It's way too, <laughs> way too soon. Edison, of course, backed DC power, and Tesla had invented uh, <sighs> alternating current or AC power generation. And when the uh, the World's Fair decided to go with uh, Westinghouse and Tesla for the AC system that was, you know, the first introduction of modern electric lighting to the world, uh, Edison undertook a campaign, basically barnstorming a good chunk of the Northeast, uh, frying animals wherever he could go to prove how unsafe AC power was. I mean, and it was full of disinformation, right? It was different voltages, different amperages, and like the whole thing just didn't add up and was not intellectually honest. But that really didn't stop him from storming around the country and literally frying cows and stray animals and whatever else he could find to show how unsafe the AC power that we all have in our homes now you got pre cooked food out of it. <laughs> you got to feed the crowd if they're coming to watch your uh, demo, that's right? right. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> oh. Tell me I'm wrong. Well, welcome to the show, Joel. I know you were late today, so welcome to. Yeah, welcome glad we waited the, for that input. And, yeah. <laughs> hey, look, hot take, and then I'm out. <laughs> it, it, it's, pre- it's pretty easy to look at from FUD if you answer just two questions when you look at anything you read, which is. Uh, basically who and why, right, is who is talking about it, uh, especially when they're talking about it, and, it, uh, and the person they're talking about is it a competitor, right? So it, look at who's talking about it and who they're talking about, and then why would they have an impetus to say it, right? So, it, you know, if, if Apple's talking about Android or, uh, you know, one security vendor's talking about another security vendor, why would they say that? And, you know, what impetus would they have to, to, to bring that up? And then, then you have to kind of base it on, okay, I, I understand why they're saying it, but now is it fact? And so uh, there's kind of two bits to that. So it, it, I think the fact bit's the is important it, bit. Is it the, are you getting all of the facts is the other question though, right? Right. Are you being told no. everything? The answer is no. Right? <laughs> it's kind of like we right. went, we've always, we've been talking about the VPN stuff and things like this. How does it, you know, yeah, if you're traveling and you're in an airport and use this VPN and it, then you'll all be good. Okay. <laughs> well, how does that work exactly? Am I, is all my data really safe? How do you know? Are you being told the full story here? Because we've talked about this before. So you have to, if you're using some kind of VPN, it's got to terminate somewhere. And that termination point, where is it? Who's got your data, right? Yeah. So, Well, and of course you're not getting the full story. Like FUD is predicated mm-hmm. on a lack of knowledge, right. right? Like you can't get all the knowledge and still have FUD exist in the same space. Um, I think suffice it to say it's it's an easy shortcut that people take. But the fact is this creates a a negative long-term impact uh, in the marketplace, both for consumers and for the people who are perpetrating FUD. Uh, Meredith, you and I talked about that a little bit uh, yesterday, and I kind of wanted to give you a chance to, to go on about that and explain. 
so if 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 I'm getting like the clicks and I'm getting the attention, how is this negative for me as a you know purveyor of you know fine handcrafted fud? How does that actually hurt me in the long well, run? Yeah, a fine crafted fud. Um, that's that's funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but for for a security buyer or for the CISO, you know, just wanting to you know stay on top of the latest trends to advise you know his or her security organization, fud is exceptionally detrimental, especially for the long run. And even, you know, very, like, very in the now, looking at tight budgets uh, with COVID and, and trying to make some hard uh, decisions around, you know, where your employees are working and the technologies you, you use as such. Um, FUD, basically, because you're working out of fear, uh, you're buying with knee-jerk reactions, or there's the potential that you're going to knee-jerk, you know, purchase something that perhaps you didn't really need. You know, the mom and pop shop down the road doesn't need the, the latest next generation, you know, crypto, whatever to protect themselves from APTs from Russia, right? Like that's just not something that's going to affect them like perhaps a highly privileged individual um, within a large public company or government organization, um, you know, would otherwise be concerned with. So I think, you know, from a buyer's perspective, I think there's a real risk that over time you're going to, you know, build your stack with a lot of, as I say, blinky boxes that you just don't need. Um, You know, there's no real good that's going to come from um, tools that don't really work together. Um, but I think... Well, and the fact is that takes resources yeah. from things that work on a daily operational level, Totally. Right? Yeah. No, it, that's exactly right. Um, and I think, you know, just as, you know, a piece of advice, I mean, the more I think about this, I think, you know, security practitioners that are, you know, consuming this type of information that's, you know, this is the latest threat, you know, focus on me. You know, if you, you know, before you go to a vendor and um, decide whether this is, you know, something that you should purchase or invest in, you know, maybe take inventory on what security problems you really have first and don't be influenced by someone else saying, hey, you know, this is the real issue here before you know if it's even an issue for yourself. Um, And I think that goes to what you were saying before around, you know, is it, you know, Apple talking about Android, I mean, you know, figure out, you know, who's who's sharing that information and and kind of go from there. But yeah, the long-term effect is is definitely real on the buyer and the marketplace for for sure. Matt, you you've commented, you know, several times whether it's uh, you know, your your off-quoted phrase of uh you haven't yet earned the right to be worried about APT. Yeah. <laughs> or or things along those lines. Um and and we've even had these conversations around when we talk about things like uh, kill chains and and cyber moonshots and cyber pearl harbors and and those kind of like uh, those big scary names, uh, so you run into this frequently. Like, what is what is your take on on the issue here? Like, what is this doing a to the marketplace and b? Um, what advantages does it give to a vendor to to do this or detriments really? Well, actually, let me let me go with. I think the last one's kind of easier to answer. Um, you know, you see this more often from smaller vendors and and newer startups who, and to be honest, it's a super crowded market. Um, and, and you have behemoths like Cisco, where we have, you know, not just Talos, but we also have the Cisco security blog, and we also have the, the, the duo components and, and all these, you know, just... We got a complete mountain of information kind of going out, and so for smaller companies to get to get attention, they need they need to hit big. They need to be coming in with important stuff, and 
I think part of you know why it's beneficial for companies to do that is that it it, it does cut through because um, we we tend to be. Um, more conservative. Um, as a matter of fact, we had a, I think we had a conversation with Meredith yesterday that kind of highlighted some of our very conservative nature in terms of what we say in print, and and you know sometimes we need to to kind of lean forward a little more than than we do. Um, but we tend to be conservative. So if someone comes in with something crazy, um, and, and and there's any kind of support to it, it'll get some traction. The detriment is. Um, that one security industry unconsciously understands that we exist sort of in a problem space that is filled with fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Like that is the core fundamental nature of, of our, of our problem space. And so we're always working in that environment. And so to abuse that environment, we, I think, I think you'll find that the, the, the professionals in that space are very sensitive to that and have very long memories. And so even, you know, the one that comes to mind for me that I would put in this category of unfair, you know, fair or not, is the, from, I think it was last year, two years ago, checkpoints like fifth generation uh, cyber threat or whatever that, that oh, nonsense was where they quantum gen six. Yeah. yeah, yeah and, yeah. and the only reason I say, uh, the only reason I bring that up and yeah, I just, just, I disagree with that marketing approach entirely and how they <laughs> went about it, um, is that I see it referenced in Twitter a lot as kind of a joke as, as like, Oh, well, if you think that's scary, you should know about six generation cyber th- level yeah. six quantum yeah, right. threats. And so <laughs> that, that's not what you want. Um, either as a company or as a researcher. Um, and so because, because we exist in an industry that's, that, that, that just wades in, in unmanaged fear, uncertainty, and doubt in terms of concerns about ransomware and the unknown of what actors' intentions and capabilities are and the doubt about your own, your, your own uh, kind of protections, like, like that's where we exist in the only currency that companies and researchers have is trust, right? And that that means Absolutely. that when you say something, it needs to be well-researched, well-founded, because it's impossible for me as a researcher to take you through all of my research and to explain why I feel the following things are true. Um, I can certainly, in many cases, provide a lot of that, but ultimately, anything I say to you is a summarization of my work and I need to be very honest about that work because if it turns out that that wasn't correct or wasn't true, then that reduces people's trust in me or in Talos or in Cisco. And so that's one of the reasons why we're super conservative. And so you have to, when you're, when you're doing this kind of work, one, trust me, and I've talked to Mitch about this, when I write – um, it is a torturous process of like, <laughs> of like writing and then making sure I'm saying what I think I'm saying and that I have in, you know, supported what I'm saying and that I've laid it out so that when people read it, they're taking away from it what I intend them to take away from it. So I'm only going to have to defend my ideas and that I've put only my defensible ideas and not any of my biases or my suppositions or my kind of intuitions. Um, and so, you know, that's one important piece. The other important piece that's even harder than that is being quick to say you were wrong. Um, and so one of the, one of the things, Craig, I don't know if this made the cut, um, on your paper on, uh, 
um, attribution. But you had talked about uh, a case where uh, a researcher who was who to me was relatively unknown had come out and said that there was a connection um, in, in in one of the attribution examples you had. And people were very quick to come kind of over top of him and say, no, that's not true, this, this, and this. And what stood out to me when I reviewed, you know, the paper and the the links that you guys had in there was that researcher kind of was quick to be like, you know, I was wrong. This is correct. Here are the corrections and put like at the top of his page, here are some notes kind of putting in place what we now know, you know, this is, this is the thing. Um, and I think, I think, as a researcher or as a company, you need to be, you need to understand that the only thing you have uh, going into this market or going from job to job is trust. Uh, and, and you have to like jealously guard that and not let um, uh, people put words in your mouth and make sure that the things that you say are only things that you can really defend. I want to jump in on the idea of trust because, you know, I think we all have sort of agreed, you know, based on this conversation that FUD is terrible. It, you know, it is bad for the industry. It, it's bad for um, bad for us as professionals. But, you know, for those folks that are listening, I want to say as, as, as the communicator marketer here that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and you guys are starting to illustrate that, but it really is built on trust. Um, you know, coming, the reason why I moved from originally from, uh, the security research community, you know, working with uh, Black Hat folks to going in-house with a vendor, um, I joined Doug Song at Duo because he was trying to build a company just like that. He, uh, his whole premise was to build a company that was a trusted partner um, to the actual larger community as opposed to just a vendor pumping out products. And that really made a huge difference. Um, and so what I would say is there's there are people out there that you can model um, behavior after. There are exceptionally talented journalists out there that are combating FUD on a regular basis. And so if you're a security researcher listening to this, and let's say you pitched a story to our friend Andy Greenberg, and he comes back to you with a list of 10 questions, don't take offense to that. You know, that means he's taking your research seriously, and he's trying to be a trusted partner to his community of readers. So answer his questions thoughtfully and help him, you know, do right by you, but also, you know, right by his readers. Um, so, and, and actually one organization I'd, I'd call out, um, you know, my good friends, Dennis Fisher and Famita Rashid started um, the publication Decipher and their, their motto is literally security without fear. So um, just a tip here, if, you know, the breach du jour has hit the headlines and you want to, you know, see, gosh, um, is there a more reasonable take, head over to Decipher because that's literally their premise is to break down the FUD and make it into actionable, um, what does this mean? for me insights. And so, yeah, there's, there's some people out there doing good work. And I agree with you about Talos. Obviously, I'm, I'm new to the team, but I am really impressed with how naturally you all put out um, really groundbreaking research that could be, you know, some very clickbaity headlines, but it's wrapped in, gosh, this is the issue. This is why it matters. And this is what you can do about it. And that really is a huge differentiator. And I just hope that the rest of the industry, independent researchers and vendors alike, um, follow your lead in that way. So instead of clickbait, we opt for puns on books about pregnancy yeah. and things of that nature. But, you know, we'll... It was still great work. What to expect when you're electing is what Mitch is referencing, for those of you who haven't read <laughs> Matt's paper. But I think the way that we do things is factual and correct, and it tells a story the way the story should be told. But 
Finally, we follow up every blog post with how to defend yourself. And I think that's super important. If you're, if you're publishing a blog post that says, hey, there's this new thing, only we know about it, uh, you should trust us. That's, that you're not helping anybody. Yeah, you're not helping anybody. This shit's crazy enough. Like, we don't have to make it any worse than it actually is. If anything, we need to try and give you some hope at the end of this because what's real is actually kind of scary. So, it's a really good point. You know, I, I think it might not be obvious how interesting things are to people who don't ask enough questions, but I guarantee you, real life has enough interesting stuff going on that we don't need to chase ghosts. Um, and make so, stuff up, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think if you don't think it's interesting, you should learn more about it, figure out why the people who are interested in it think it's so special, and I bet you come to a new level of understanding. I do want to highlight, and this just I think this comes from some of the work that I do at, at, at Cisco that, that doesn't get as much, uh, we don't talk about as much, is there is a time to talk about, you know, cyber Pearl Harbors or, or that kind of stuff. It, it, I've never seen a conversation that occurs in the market that justifies that. And what I would say is that there are quiet, determined people in the world, you know, internationally who do think about, hey, we've built this really fragile society on the ability to pass electrons back and forth and they mean something specific and you're able to process them. Um, and there are outcomes if that if that system is disrupted. And so I think the, the frustration is uh, there are times to have those conversations. And, 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 and most of the times that, I, that I've, I've sat in on, on those, they are more about or exclusively what would happen if we reach this state as opposed to how we reach this state. Um, I, I would never want to discourage that kind of conversation, but I think it needs to be, it really does need to be, you know, in the right framework, uh, because because we have built a delicate world in a world sensitive to change. Uh, as you know, you just kind of look around as, as how much has changed over the last eight months or so. So there is space for that. The, when you have those conversations, you never feel a need to sensationalize it. It it speaks for itself at rest. You sit down and say, "What would it mean to have to restart power in the United States with all the power plants off?" Like that kind of conversation, you don't need to. There's no need to to you know to to make that a spectacle. It is a spectacle at rest. It's and gonna one, take a lot of cows, yeah, Matt. It's what you never want to look at, right? So, um, so I I, I want to say that the, that that's another piece of the frustration is when you get into these kind of of hype cycles, it takes energy away from other things that that do require attention. And some of those things are loud, and some of those things are quiet. Well, I want to I, I want to wrap this up today, but before we do, I want to go back around the table and and capture a, a closing thought or a parting shot from everybody there. And uh, our positions on my screen have changed again, Matt. <laughs> before you freak happens. out, so Nigel, you are actually up first for your closing thought today. Uh, Give us a parting shot, buddy. Yeah. So uh, you know, again, they actually the the. Uh, the dark times are, are, are coming to an end very quickly. Um, the Reds are back in action in two weeks. This training starts next Monday. Uh, and the one thing I think I learned today is that I didn't realize that Mitchell didn't know that he was the only person who applied for the job. Um, 
Nigel, that other guy had to move back to Antarctica. That's right, yeah. That's right. (laughs) The one that we liked. (laughs) Uh, Technically speaking, I did not apply for the job. Craig kidnapped me, but at Matt's discretion and and direction. I had to get a second opinion. Every now and then I make questionable choices. Every now and and then. Every now and then. Yeah, every now and then. Joel, or actually Craig, you're up next. What's on your mind, buddy? Well, I wanted to say two things. You know, the first one was we talked earlier about FUD and we brought up the fact that people update blogs and blah, blah, blah. I want to be clear. Everyone updates their blogs. Everyone comes to conclusions that change. We do, right? We did with the Sea Turtle mm-hmm. blog and some of the IOCs. We saw national security agencies change some of the IOCs and some of the more recent articles. So it happens and it's okay. Everyone should expect that. The second one, and this is kind of more to the point of this show, um, you know, FUD is not going to go away, right? FUD is as old as humans. It's basically appealing to emotions to get someone to do something you want. That's not going away. It's always going to be around, and people need to learn how to deal with it. And I think the easiest way to deal with it is realize that it's happening, right? Realize you consumed a piece of information. It made you feel X. Like earlier, Matt talked about how music makes him feel things. Well, information does that. You need to be aware when it's doing it, and you need to consume it, feel it out, and then go read some other things and see if your feelings on it change once you get a couple of different views on the same set of data. Uh, you know, and I think kind of back to the golden rule of Talos, right, <laughs> or our golden rule on this podcast, if it's too good to be true, you know, for them in this particular case, it probably is. No one has a magic bullet. No one built Cyber Pearl Harbor yet, right? And so if people are making these outrageous claims, especially as Joel pointed out, when it's advantageous for them, take it with a giant grain of salt and really look at it carefully and evaluate it and make sure that things are as they were represented in the headline or bullet or whatever it was. Absolutely. Joel. Uh, hey guys, thanks for having me. I know I showed up late and I apologize. I had some stuff I had to do this morning and I was way out of about an hour and a half away from my house. So I darted back and you guys let me in. I appreciate it. You that. never know so, when that parole officer is going to call for a check-in, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Matthew, that would be you, sir. Parting shot today, buddy. I spent the last three minutes thinking about how every moment is either now or then. And if Craig makes bad decisions every now or then, he's always making bad decisions. And it all <laughs> checks out. Just really does. Does this line up with your good old days yeah, timeline? No, I, I got to work on that. I haven't, I haven't, yeah, we actually uh, need to get that good old days timeline. Yeah. And actually, Meredith, for your parting shot, I might, unless you already have something on your mind, um, this is actually an important question. We've been trying to determine when the good old days start <laughs> and when they stop for some time now. And we've figured out that the good old days started Sometime before, what date? What was the release date of Bohemian Rhapsody? Uh, it, was, it was after sometime in the 70s. After Bohemian Rhapsody was released and before Twitter was founded. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, I think that's accurate. I'm just going to say I agree. That sounds good to me. Fantastic. Any other parting shot today? Yeah. No, I, I would just say I really want this to be actionable for people because, you know, FUD is so doomsday on its own. I really want folks to, you know, walk away from this podcast being like, oh, it's not all, it's not all terrible. What can I do? And 
again, you know, depending on who's listening to this, um, you know, whether you're, you know, a security researcher out there just trying to make a name for yourself, or if you are a security marketing or PR person listening to this, and you're being asked by your executives to drive up your share of voice and, you know, improve our sentiment and get us more out there, I would just strongly recommend that, you know, you go back to what Matt was saying and, and focus your programs or your research when you're promoting it on building trust with the communities that you serve and that you speak with. Um, I've seen time and again, um, really, really talented security researchers come out with a bang, do something pretty FUD driven, you know, not really think too much about it. And it really is 15 minutes of fame. And then you don't see them again. And I just... I think there's I think there's definitely a cost benefit analysis to be done before you go out to market with anything like that uh, on the research or the marketing side. And I can just tell you that taking a non FUD approach and maybe not commenting on the breach of the day and, and taking a step back and um, I don't know just being more thoughtful it pays off uh, in the long run. It builds a really reputable brand in the long run, and you just happen to sleep better at night. So it works. Stay away from it. I would. I would echo that sentiment, Meredith, and and add on that this is something that even even those of us in security um, that aren't involved in comms and aren't involved in the marketing efforts themselves need to be careful when uh, we're retweeting the the funniest headline of the day or the newest thing that just came out and the situation du jour on Twitter this morning. Uh, we need to we need to share that information. Uh, carefully as well and make sure that we're not helping to to spread the FUD without at least providing, like you're saying, and like Joel was saying, some kind of commentary um, that that gives a, a sense of hope and a sense of what can be done about this kind of thing. Uh, and to my fellow comms and marketing people, I would just encourage you to suck less and <laughs> inform people more. <laughs> I, I, and I would, I would say, you know, researchers... Um, and, and I, I don't think I've had one of the one of the weird things that have happened as as I've gone up in visibility as a researcher and in, in, inside of Cisco and stuff is every now and then uh, some very, you know, so in a hurry person would be like, we need a quote from you. Would you say this? Um, and I've never I, that is a weird, it's, it's very yeah. odd. It's very odd. Like as a as a human to me, that's very odd. And, it, and it's and it's People writing your and stuff. It's not you. yeah. <laughs> as long as that's how it's presented. I don't have a problem with it. You know, it's is would you agree? Would you say this? Um, and I always rewrite it, you know, to say what I would say. Um, but I would say to right. researchers, you know, especially, you know, younger ones who, who maybe haven't had the time to kind of find themselves and, and, and have the confidences. When when you're working with with PR and, and comms, your voice, the, your company is using your voice and is using your trust and is using mm -hmm. your place in the security community. And make sure you protect that, um, you know, and so and, and tread carefully and, and help guide yeah. um, PR and comms because they're not they're, they're not necessarily, depending on where you are, experts like Meredith is in the security space. We're very blessed to have her. Um, with us, uh, as opposed to someone who, who was just maybe a pure comms person who hadn't had, had that experience. Um, so help them understand that space, help them understand the value of trust, help them understand that what the direction they're headed might better work in this other way. Warm in my heart over here, Matt. But it's true. It's true. There is a, we are, we're very grateful to have you here. However, Meredith, I, I do have a comp, a contest that I would propose for the two of us. And that's to see how many quotes we can get placed with the word groovy in it attributed to Craig <laughs> Williams over the next month. Let's just make everybody think he uses that word 
all the time. Don't tempt me with a good time. I'm, I'm 100 I like a this. good contest, especially <laughs> when it is misquoting Craig. Count me in. Yeah, that's that's it. I'm 100 yeah. percent behind this. Yeah. I'm not even sure it would be a misquote, to be honest. This <laughs> <laughs> is really good. Well, I want to thank everybody for joining us today, Meredith. Thank you very much for stopping by. It was an absolute pleasure to have you, and we will definitely have to have you back on the podcast again sometime. If you're looking for some more stuff to read, we do have a couple great reports coming out, so keep your eyes peeled for those, If you're, especially if you're interested in the topic of disinformation. We're going to be talking a bit about that in some of our upcoming stuff. And stay tuned next time for episode 92 in just a couple weeks. Until then, cheers. <laughs>